Welcome back to another episode of the Diamond Download. I'm here in the woods, um, hanging out with some bears. Chase is in California, no way in Diamond. Um, Chase, we got some cool topics today. How are you doing, bro? I'm good. I was telling you, I'm a little bit jet lagged. Just got back from a week, week and a half in Spain and a little jet lagged. But aside from that, I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah. Do you remember letting two idiots run your podcast while you were gone? Yeah. Yeah. What What did you guys even talk about? I didn't even get a watch whole thing. I just skimmed through it. What did you, you guys talk about? Bro, no. we talked about... We talked about <laughs> you should watch it. It was a good one. I don't remember right, what we talked about. It. No, it was pretty safe. I don't think we said anything too crazy. All right, I'm gonna watch after this. Have you, any, have you gotten any emails from any sponsors saying we don't want to work with you anymore? <laughs> I need to check. I got a backlog of emails I gotta go through. Hopefully not. All right, then as long as you got none of those, then I think we did a good job. I'm good, man. I just decided yesterday, yesterday morning that I was just gonna go up north and you know get some nature for a little bit before I go back to Miami. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm looking out at the lake and and uh yeah, man, I'm good. Sick, I'm dude. Well, I'm stoked to be back and I'm excited to dive into this. Yeah, I missed you, bro. All right, let's do it. So the first topic we got is to nomad or not to nomad. So this was slightly inspired by the fact that like I'm up here now and last week you were in Barcelona. I mean, there's like for the last like five years, it feels like there's been sort of a trend of people who make money the way that we make money. Like we have everything remote and they choose to go to, you know, a random country and just kind of bounce around. Like, do you... How, do you know anyone who kind of does that lifestyle? What do you think of it? Have you ever done it? Would you ever do it? What do you think about that? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, last week in Barcelona, I, I barely worked. I was like struggling to catch up with the time change. I was in a wedding, so I was super busy. I went with my wife and we wanted to explore. So I, right now in the stage I'm at, when I go on vacation, I want a vacation. I don't want to work. I want to chill. I just want to relax. In the past though, like I love the idea and did a little bit of the, hey, let's go rent a place for a week or two kind of work and whatnot. So I think it's I think it's really cool if you're single um, and if you're in a time zone that is conducive to work. Being nine hours ahead in Spain was really, really hard. Uh, it was hard to even like communicate with like loved ones about simple things. So I think remote work is really cool. Um, in theory, I would like to do it. I just think in reality with where I'm at right now, when I'm going to vacation, vacation, kind of computers off. Oh, oh, oh. What, what about you? I think it's a little bit easier for you right now. And you're kind of doing it between uh, Canada and Miami and you know, the woods. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I like, like you said, like it's, it sounds cool. And then you actually try it. And sometimes it's not as, not as cool as you think. Like I'm so like for the beginning of last year, like January, 2022, when I just started my agency, I was like trying to nomad around a little bit because in Canada, like COVID was really bad. And so I was like, I gotta get out of here. So I went to Mexico for a little bit. I did three weeks there. Um, and like, dude, it's just like, there's endless problems. Like I was in an Airbnb. Um, it can be good, but like the Wi-Fi wasn't great. And like, we would go down to a coffee shop and then people are always bugging you. And like, you want to work, but also like the beach is right there. And so it's like, well, maybe like, I'll just like take a couple hours off and then you end up going to the beach. People think you can like work from the beach. You cannot do that. Like you can't like just sit there and like get a bunch of sand in your laptop. Like it sucks. So I don't know. I think like it, it definitely depends on the people you're with too. Like the people I was with when I was in Mexico, like they just wanted to party. And like, I did not, like I wanted to make money. I wanted to start my business. And so yeah, it depends on a lot of different things. I've never really tried it to the full extent. I think the one thing that it can be good for 
like you and I, I feel like we both prioritize business. Like that's like our thing. That's yeah. at least that's why. Like I love doing it. Yeah. Some people like don't really care about money that much. They figure out a way to make like five to eight grand a month online. And then they go to Thailand and they're like a billionaire in Thailand. Or like they go to Cuba, not Cuba, Colombia or Brazil or Paraguay. And they're just like super rich there, even though like at home they wouldn't do very well. So I think that's one of the reasons why they do it. But like, I don't know. I'm curious what people in your, in your comments think. I wonder if like we got some nomads in the house. I'm personally not a fan. Yeah. A couple of thoughts. Like for me, I love having my home set up. I love having the monitor. I love having the keyboard. I love having the computer. I love having the mic and the video. And you just can't travel with all that, right? Like I'm not going to travel with my big screen, my mic, all these different types of things. So I think having like the workspace at home is super nice. And then two, I think like I'd rather do like a work retreat where like we're not working, but we're with work people just to ideate and be creative and think like I could do a week in the cabins or a week somewhere with, you know, a few business partners where it's kind of social, kind of working, and it's less being behind a computer. And it's more like, why don't we lock to lunch and we'll talk at lunch and we'll talk on the walk? Or why don't we go do a workout together and we're all kind of pushing each other? Or why don't we go grab coffee or whatever it is? So I like the idea more of being like, quote unquote, a nomad and doing like remote work retreats with the people you want to vibe with. Great way to create some content, just get outside the box, get outside the norm. But actually like working where I have to take calls and send emails and be productive I think it's really hard to do that remote, at least for me. Yeah, I agree. But it is really cool because like you have remote founders. Like, I mean, I know you're down the road from Shaq, yeah. but like we also kind of all over the place. Yeah. Like, dude, it's really cool to be like in the trenches. Like me and Ben, like, because like we think we're like, I'm his favorite client. So like right. we're thinking about Copy MBA all the time. Like we'll go to Jupiter and just like post in Jupiter for like three, four days and just like, like wake up, do work. Like he'll work a little bit on some other stuff, but like most of the time we're just talking about ideas for copy MBA. I'm working on copy MBA and then we'll go out at night. And like, while we're drunk, we're talking about copy MBA and then we wake up and it's the same thing over again. So it's like, that's cool. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, for remote teams, I think it makes sense like to meet up every once in a while, but like to just like go and just be in another time zone, like being in tw- Thailand, like 12 hours ahead. Like I would not want to do that. So anyway, what's you. All right, man. So next topic I had here, what makes you buy stuff? So like, I think a lot about this. This is something I've like, this is something I've been thinking about since I like started copywriting. Like I always had this curiosity for like, anytime I made a purchase, I would always think about like why that was. And like, I would, I I'm curious on your take with this. Like maybe there's something recent that you bought that was a fairly big purchase and you're, um, you like, you know, why you bought it, or you can sort of like reverse engineer it. Maybe why you bought it, like when, why did you buy it, when you bought it and who you bought it from and like all, all that stuff. Like you ever think about that? Yeah. Sometimes I think more about it typically like in hindsight than in like the act of doing it. But, yeah. but lately, like on the, on the flight to Spain, I bought, um, I upgraded my tackle or, you know, like the guys from Tweet Hunter, they have this LinkedIn tool, you know, they sent an email about some sale on their like top plan. And I was on the lowest plan, you know, whatever. And just the fact that like they wrote such a good sales email, I liked the people and I figured it might be able to actually help either save time or make money. Dude, it was an easy purchase. I was paying like 30 bucks a month and now I'm paying like a hundred bucks a month. So like, you know, 3X the price of it for, I think it's going to be more value. So for me, I'm in the mindset right now, anything that I'm using 
that I can extract more value from in the terms of saving time or making money or both. I don't even think about it. I just press buy. And then, you know, every quarter I just buy from my buddy that owns Bill. I just buy a couple of new items of his to A, upgrade my wardrobe and B, support him and C, you know, I, I don't know, just give him feedback and kind of on the support side. So for, for me, I'm kind of like, I have like these repeat buys where every quarter I buy a couple items of clothes and I don't shop or think outside of it. And then once in a while I buy for the wife and normally it's because she has a list of things that she wants and I have to go down the list for holidays or birthdays or anniversaries and just buy it. Or we're somewhere with my daughter and she wants it. I'm like, sure, whatever, let's buy it. So, so most of it right now is like outside influences, right? Like what does my wife want? What does my daughter want? What does my mom want? What do they want? And it's just like, sure, whatever. You know, if it's reasonable, let's get it. Like my wife just bought like really expensive Taylor Swift tickets for like a belated birthday present for herself. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. <laughs> Dude, that's so interesting. Like, do you, okay, so I'm sure you're not alone. I'm sure there's a, a bunch of dudes who are in your tax bracket who are influenced by like people around them. Like if if you're doing like a fairly expensive B2B service, like should you be like cold emailing like the dude's wife? <laughs> <laughs> is that like an idea that nobody's tried yet? Like everyone's thinking about like, okay, well, like let's just create a, a female LinkedIn profile so that I can like uh, cold DM him and like, I'll get noticed. But has anyone thought about cold emailing the wife of a high net worth individual? I never have. No. I didn't even think about that. I was, I was saying that's no, I haven't. Something to think about. I, I think like that is interesting. You said, a, you said a bunch of cool stuff there. This is such a, such a gem of a question. Cause I got so much out of you. I think like you also said that like you are very, very like susceptible to buying stuff that you've already bought. So if you're going to yeah. upgrade a plan, like it's kind of like a no brainer. Yeah. Um, so I wonder, like, I wonder how much of this stuff is like kind of universal. I mean, obviously like the easiest person to sell to is someone who's already bought from you. Like that's yeah. a sort of latitude. Everyone kind of knows that, but I, I don't think people really take it seriously until they hear it from someone like you. Yeah. Um, dude, on that note, like, Coincidentally, I was literally doing research before this and I actually made a post. Um, there was a statistic, and I, I found this on ChatGPT, but that if you increase your customer retention rates by just 5%, you can actually increase your profits by 25 to 95%. So just increasing customer retention rates by 5%, they were saying that you could actually increase your profits because you've already paid to acquire these people. And depending on the purchase and what they buy, you know, you could be adding 25 to 95% of your margin. So yeah, kind of interesting. Like I, that you, we talk about that. I didn't even think about that right now. That makes sense. So, like, I think like a lot of like, let's say like SaaS companies will be unprofitable for like the first like three, four months of, yeah. of having a customer because they spent so much to acquire them. Um, and another month after that, like, it's just, it feeds the wheel, especially like at scale. It makes sense. All right. So yeah, that, that does make sense. Gravy. Yeah. What about you? Why, why do you buy or what influencers are buying and what have you bought recently that you're kind of aware of? The one thing that I had on my mind when I wrote down that question, I think is just like, and I actually wrote an Alex in my inbox about this a while ago, but like the Drake effect, when it's like the reason we we love Drake so much, the reason why he's as famous as he is, is because he just never misses. And like, I think for me, um, because I'm turning into a premium customer, right? Like I'm starting to buy more expensive stuff. I'm starting to sort of demand I'm getting a little bit Karen-y about like how, how good my service, like a service is when it's, when I'm the customer. And so like, like last night, long story short, I was in this other Airbnb and I had to check out and go to a best Western just to like grab a spot for the night. 
And there were like a bunch of other hotels around with names that I'd never heard of. And Best Western is not a great hotel. I'm sure some of the other ones were better, but I just know that Best Western is like consistent. Like they're not going to be awful, right? There's not going to be cockroaches or anything. Like they have a big name. They've never done me wrong. And so I just think like, my thing is like, if you can make a good first impression and then just not mess it up, like even providing like an average service, like a, like an okay service, like a four out of 10, like I'm more likely to go to the four out of 10 that I know is going to be a four out of 10 than go to what looks like a nine out of 10, but could end up being a one out of 10 because I just don't. Yeah. Know, right. Yeah. Dude, that's interesting. I actually was booking a hotel last night, but I'm thinking about all these things now. I was booking a hotel last night for um, August for my buddy's weddings. Um, it's, it's like 30 minutes away from me, but we're, we're making like a weekend trip out of it. And we were looking at like four or five hotels and we were factoring in like, how far is it from the venue in terms of miles and minutes? Like what is around the place in terms of like amenities and kind of things to do? Um, and, and like, yeah, just which one do we vibe with? And uh, there were like four options. There was like, you know, one that was like 500 a night and there was one that was a thousand a night and there was ones in between. And we ended up going with the hotel that was probably about a four, four and a half star versus like the five star ones. And we ended up going with like the best, if not one of the better rooms at like the four, four and a half star versus like a, you know, lowest room at like the five star hotel. And like with there, like I, I have to pull it up, but like there was a lot of things I got my wife. It was like, we serve cookies all day. You know, we serve one at 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. every night. You know, we let you rent bikes. So, so they basically had on theirs way more value and kind of they had way more things that they were stacking in terms of like the benefits they like they had curated things and they were more of like a it seemed more homey than some of these other kind of places that had these larger names all of them seemed like very reputable but it was interesting like last night we picked this hotel my wife did because of all of these things that just made it feel like home um and we ended up getting the better room than we end up doing um so it was, it was kind of interesting now that i'm thinking about it but again influenced by my wife looking at like the value that these people were stacking with things like wine and cookies, which really aren't that expensive, but like, I don't know, just warm your heart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this, but like, I, we might, we might've talked about this before too, but like the Airbnb CEO, I don't remember his name, but like the 12 star experience. Um, do you remember that? I think we talked yeah. about that. It's like he gets all of his employees in a room. This is my first million thing. They, he goes, what's a one-star experience? What's a five-star experience? And people like, they give you a five-star experience, but it's really just like, I don't know. It's still like a seven out of 10. And then they just keep, all right, what's a six-star experience? And like, as you keep going up, they, they demand more. So it's like, instead of just like everything's clean and everything's easy to access, like that's a five-star experience. Like a 12-star experience is like going way above and beyond um, that you wouldn't even think of it. Right. But only until you force yourself to think of like, what could we do to be even better than five stars? then like you get a bunch of value there. I think we're off topic, but um, you want to fire off this last one? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, this is a segment for you, bro. I don't know anything about this. This is <laughs> this is called SaaS headaches. I think we alluded a couple of weeks ago that you were going to talk about your experience with email up. You don't have to go too deep into it, but I'm seeing a lot of like 16 year olds, like my audience saying like, hey, Cardinal, like, what do you think of SaaS? Like, should I build a SaaS? And every time they ask, I'm like, listen, like, dude, I don't even think I'm smart enough to build a SaaS. So like, I don't know what you're going to do like with your parents' credit cards. So like, tell me about like, first of all, why you thought it was a good idea to build a SaaS in the first place. What ended up happening in the meantime and like we, what you would have done differently, if at all. 
Yeah, I ended up building, I guess, two SaaS that were related. One was called Email Up. Um, and I started that, dude, it, at this point now, it was probably like closer to two years ago that we've had the idea and thought of it. Just like, you know, you have Canva and you have Figma and you have all these platforms and it didn't feel like anything was specifically built for like creating emails, especially for like non-designers and beginners. So, And Clavio's editor sucks. Granted, it's gone through a bunch of reasons. It still sucks. Most of the editors suck, right? Um, no one had like really nice, clean templates. So wanted to build this platform that predominantly served Clavio, but eventually was going to be universal. And I spent 12 months on it, spent, you know, under thousands of dollars. I think it was like 150, 200K on it. So I spent like a year, year and a half on it, spent, you know, mid, low, you know, low six figures on it. And yeah, just, it never worked. Like the tool never was as good as it's supposed to be. Um, you know, we could never actually get it to work like it was supposed to. So I kind of took my off the ball where I had this team and nothing against them. They're nice people, but they were supposed to really own like the product and the tech. And I was just going to wait until I was ready. And timelines were always missed and features were always missing. And things were always just so subpar that by the time it actually quote unquote was done, it still wasn't that great. And I just kind of was ashamed of it. So I, I literally promoted it like one time. A couple of people complained that it wasn't there. I refunded everyone. And then I kind of gave up on it. And then we pivoted where we made a platform that was very, very easy to use. Um, at, but at that point, like, you know, it was two years ago that I had spent on it. I kind of just mentally got over it. I was so frustrated with it. I wasn't happy with it. So SaaS is hard. I mean, I wanted to do it because I just saw all the SaaS companies I was promoting were just crushing it. And every time I promoted them, you know, they're adding, you know, thousands of dollars of MRR. And over the course of time, they're adding tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars um, to their ARR. So I'm just like, oh, dude, if they're doing it, I can do it. Like, how hard could this be? And it was actually really, really hard. Granted, I picked one of the hardest things to build, trying to make your email codes uh, render across all platforms and all devices and all ESPs uh, was really hard. So in hindsight, I probably would have picked an easier thing to go after. I don't know what, what it would be. Probably would have been a lot more involved and probably done a better job like looking at contracts, allocating budget, bringing in kind of like a project manager. So I just screwed up from A through Z on this. Interesting. Um, so what would you have done differently? Like starting from zero, what would you have done differently to make it work? Well, I think like there's a couple of things. I think one is like now my mindset is like, do you buy versus build, right? I think it's a lot easier and better to just buy something. If you can't, I would probably just buy something in the email space versus having to like go from idea to product to MVP to scale. It's just not the way that my brain thinks. So I think like if I was to do it differently, I would have tried to buy something that already existed and just made it better versus trying to start something from scratch. If I was to go from scratch again, I would have just had to been way more involved, not just kept like letting the bill rack up and just kind of like, oh, it's going to happen eventually. Like I think I was just too trusting and too nice about it where I should have been a lot more like, why am I paying you guys a bunch more money? Again, it still doesn't work like it's supposed to. So I think I was just too lenient and not strict enough. Um, I think that kind of screwed me over as being a nice guy. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I think like, dude, like, like thinking about it, like, if you owned retention.com, that would make so much sense. But like, that's just such a, such a good idea. It's such a good yeah. product that like, 
I think everyone wishes they own retention.com. We talk about them all the time. Shout out, shout out Adam. Um, and, but yeah, dude, I mean, like he's also been through the ringer too. So like, he's, I mean, he probably hates SAS more than you do, except like he actually has a, a successful one. So yeah, I mean, dude, it's such a tough business. Like, cause there's so many moving parts and like, yes. Like if you, if you do everything right, like the prize is phenomenal, right? Like yeah. you can make billions, but you know, like. I think you can do that doing something else. I think like if you do yeah. end up wanting to be a billionaire, then you can do that maybe in a different vertical. Um, but yeah, man, that no, I, I probably won't touch anything SaaS related unless I have a bunch of money that I'm just willing to burn. And I have an idea that I just know is so good. Yeah. I don't know. We will get another chance. Like, cause AI is going nuts right now. I'm sure like, we'll think of some cool AI idea in the next couple of yeah. years that we can. Yeah. I think the other thing too, is like, there's a middle ground in terms of like build versus buy. It's like you find someone that like is doing it already um, by a percentage of it. Like just like the whole, what Alex Ramosi is doing and some of these other guys are doing, they're buying like a percentage of the business in which they think they can add value. I think you have to find something that's like early enough that has the right team where they're going to do, you know, 90% of it. And you're going to come in and just buy per percentage of it and just really be like a huge value add. So that's probably what I do differently in the future is like, Buy something entirely if the team is going to stay on um, or just kind of buy a part of something and just help, you know, add some fuel to the fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like lose the very, like yeah. that's a cool yeah. thing. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, this is a good one, bro. I feel like pe- people probably learned a lot. Like these are my favorite types of business podcasts where it's like, it's two dudes just talking and like, you can just get ideas from it. Like yeah. I think we dropped a couple of gems in there that people are going to, Usually, like, they're probably going to take it with them. So, good stuff, man. Heck yeah. Appreciate you, brother. In bed now? Was that? Yeah, I'm going to go to bed. I'm, I'm exhausted, but we made it. We did it. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon, but yeah. <laughs> good night, man. <laughs> good night, Jay. I'll see you in the morning, bro. <laughs> Enjoy your cabin, brother. Appreciate you. So, Cardinal Mason on Twitter and TikTok, and then uh, you come chase Diamond. No, hey. Cheers, guys. Yeah.